Yes, I made myself a frozen margarita. I made myself a um, apple juice. <laughs> Just keeping it super, You're super clean. Super I love, I love apple juice. It's like I love apple juice too. Yeah. Have you seen? Do you? I forget what brand it is. The one that comes in the glass. Martinelli's. There we go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's what this is. It's the best one. Yeah. It is. It it's is the best one. Oh, Aristotle's saying we started. Okay, well, shit. Let wow. me let me let me let me intro us. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Untold Hour. Hour. We are recording this on Zoom, so Bowser and I have our fingers crossed that somebody will hack us and show us their balls. Yes, I'm hoping that this goes. <laughs> this is uploaded as the show us your balls edition of the podcast. Well, it is now for absolutely sure. Also known as when Mystic Dylan came and joined us as our special guest today. (laughs) Yes, but those two things aren't related necessarily. (laughs) They are not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have been secretly wanting a Zoom call to get hacked. I've been on so many Zoom calls Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's like Wonka's golden ticket. None of the Zoom calls have had, uh, yeah, a a hacker with their dick out, which is what I'm waiting for. Yeah, Bowser and um, um, Dylan, feel free to join in on this conversation. No, I'm just but, uh, I've, I've had Zoom meetings too, and, and no one, nothing. no one hacking them. Yeah, it's like we were referencing the fact that it was like old school chat roulette, but that we're not the chosen ones. Dude, but with chat roulette, it was nothing but dicks. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. If you didn't get a dick, that was the special occasion. The weird thing is now. Remind me of the mechanism of chat roulette. We I used to be in a band oh, Lord, back in the remember. day, and that's all we would do. We'd go we'd go to band practice, and then we would just bring up chat roulette. But you're clicking, and they see you as you see them, right? That was the thing. Really? Yeah, I it think was this, so. Yeah, and it was randomly generated, right? Yeah, you would just cycle through different IP addresses, and with a with a webcam up, and you would just and you know sometimes it would just be like. Two teenagers kind of looking into the camera curiously, like, like yeah. oh, what are we doing? This is crazy. But then inevitably, it would be a dude stroking his wing ding dong dang. Yeah. <laughs> I was a good boy. I missed out on that. Oh. Yeah, and, and 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 then I think they're hoping that they link up with someone on the other side that's also doing something like that. But it was always just me and my four bandmates. <laughs> like, and then you and then you'd get guys that would be like, oh shit, and they would stop because they're hoping that it would be some some person that was into it but how that even was a thing that was legal at one point in time is mind-blowing the internet in in general i mean i know the internet's crazier than ever but at the same time new internet was really fucking crazy new internet was fun now now internet just seems depressing and angry it's depressing and angry but like new internet like wild west internet like hamster dance internet and beyond Oof. was right. good internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. the definition of good. Well, good. you know, I good. use that term extremely loosely. Yes. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing? How's how's COVID been treating you? It, I feel bad saying that I'm, I'm swell, but I am like, I'm an introvert by nature. My mm-hmm. business is typically done here. So I'm in like my home and uh, I things are good. I mean, I think 
there definitely is tension in the air and I definitely feel it with like clients and people. But I mean, for me personally, like I, the only thing is that I don't know what day it is. I'm like, yeah. wait, are uh, yeah. we? Me neither until you just mentioned that. <laughs> Wednesday. But I wouldn't know Wednesday what, you know? It's yeah. Schmler's Day. It's Schmler's Day every yeah, day. Yeah, it's that, it's that little, so it's a little bit of that, um, but it's, it's, it's good. It's just, I, I think it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear. Like I have a lot of friends in New York that I'm concerned about because New York yeah. is a good show right now. So, yeah. And there it's is... weird to know that I used to walk through Central Park and now it's like practically a morgue. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Well, I didn't think of that. Okay. Well, yeah. not a yeah. bad <laughs> No, it's, um, I mean, yeah, not to, uh, this will get real heavy real quick, but it, it, I was in New York in, during 9-11 and uh, it was crazy to see, I'll try to spin it to be something uplifting at the end of this anecdote, but it was crazy to see buildings taken over, like the armory across from my school was taken over. Uh, for as a medical facility and a missing persons kind of headquarters where people could go and find out information. And it was so sad and so morbid. And then pushing through all of that, there was this upswing of community forming and it was crazy. You'd walk through the streets and it took a while. We were all terrified to even leave our dorm building because we had been told there was biological warfare in the, in the air supposedly. But we movie theaters opened their doors and said for days, just come in and watch movies all day, free of charge. And bodegas were giving out, you know, free items and ice cream cones. And it was just, it was weird. It was like, got terrifying, obviously. But I've been trying to tell like younger people that I'm work that I work with that it is terrifying right now. But it isn't about like, well, let's just look for when things will be normal again. It's about getting through how terrifying it is with each other mm -hmm. and finding that a lot of wonderful community can be born out of such terrifying times. It's yeah. so true. It's so true. And, and I, I 100% agree. And I think people are nicer. And I think that there is this sense of community that, that's, that's kind of happening now. And then, mm -hmm. and then the pagan in me is just like, and also nature is healing. The oh. earth is healing, yeah. you know, where it have you seen, they showed pictures of China and just how the smog, like there's no smog in China. Everything is cleared up there. Like it, it's, it's pretty intense. I didn't see that, but I did see the canals in Venice. Yeah. And how they were Absolutely. replenished. Didn't, didn't LA just get like the cleanest air in the world? Or something we like that. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. We just got the cleanest air in the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's or like some, it's you know, I mean, somebody well, referenced it. I we didn't get an, anything for that. There's not a cleanest clean air, air in the world but, award. Yeah, we didn't get a plaque. <laughs> Although, God, you know, honestly, maybe <laughs> we should, because that's pretty impre impressive. I'm sure yeah. we'll ruin it within a week, but oh, we're all yeah. back to normal. Yeah. Um, I, I got to... I'm sorry. What did you say? My plants are doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've got to say, I kind of hit a little bit of a wall today. Mm -hmm. A little bit. I'd been doing fairly well. I think the last time Bowser and I checked in, which was last Wednesday, I was actually kind of like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Like I'm enjoying the time with my family. I'm enjoying being at home. And that still is all true. But I, we have now begun homeschooling and I now have. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my God. That's a whole <laughs> like, other, it's a whole other level. Well, it's like just one more job. Like, okay, so I have uh, the mom job, 24 hour mom job because I'm mom. But now yeah. I'm now a, I, I, I'm now a first grade teacher. And then I'm also, um, I'm also a career woman who's trying to keep her career from flying off the rails uh, because there's no work. So, right. um, it's, cool. It's, <laughs> and yeah. it finally like hit me today because it was just one thing after another and nothing bad happened, but it was just like, okay, I got to do this now. Now I got to do this now. Okay. Now I got to do this. Well, that fell through. So are we going to shift this around? Okay. Well, let's shift this around. But if we shift this, then we got to move that. And it was just like that all day since seven o'clock in the morning. And I mm -hmm. finally just was like, I just like, I make excuses. I tell people I'm going to go take a shit so that I have extra quiet time in the bathroom by right. myself. Not cause I really need to go to the bathroom. Right. Only because I can shut the door. And even that's not a guarantee because the dog will come in and try to get in or my child will open the door and be like, what are you doing in there? Yeah. Yeah. There's no natural breaks from anything. It's like yes. whatever you're doing is what you're doing all day. Even yeah, if the absolutely. activity changes, the environment doesn't change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. That's I know. But right. to turn this possible very, I mean, this is good to have these conversations, but also like to turn it up the frown upside down a little bit. Sure. Bowser, you promised Dylan and I an amazing <laughs> story. <laughs> yes. An amazing story. I want to hear this because your stories always put a smile on my face. Okay. So I this, I do believe this is an amazing story. I do believe it is also a terrifying story. So buckle your seatbelts. It, it, it is also not without it's whimsy and humor. Um, I decided to film something. I decided to shoot a short film by myself on my cell phone. It is primarily for a contest that's being run uh, about shooting something during this weird time where you're self-isolating and um, you could shoot it outside, but you needed to be alone, et cetera. So you had to get creative about social distancing and filming using only a cell phone. I've done that plenty of times before. I've made multiple sketches and shorts on my own, on my cell phone. So it wasn't hard for me to come up with an idea, but it did require me dressing like an absolute maniac. Uh, the concept is kind of a John Carpenter inspired apocalyptic sci-fi love story thing <laughs> where I'm out searching for a lost loved one in the apocalypse. Uh, and there's green toxic smoke filling the air around me. I'm dressed in a gas mask that I've decorated in puffy paint and graffiti, and I'm wearing a half-broken Mickey Mouse cap, uh, you know, the mouse ears from the Mickey Mouse Club. And I've got a bathrobe and a denim vest and gloves and a crazy stuffed vintage monkey strapped to my waist. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Because, it, yeah, it all tracks. It in, all tra none of this sounds abnormal, actually. <laughs> because in this story, my only friend in the apocalypse is this stuffed monkey that I now have given a voice because I've lost my mind, et cetera, et cetera. And then I've also got, you know, duct tape around my body and a radio and a tracking device and a little scooter, blah, 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 blah. I go out and I shoot in, you know, one of the ravines where the LA River is and and it's a past a, a park by my house. And I shoot for about an hour or two on Friday evening, about five o'clock. Nobody bothers me. But right as I'm about to wrap up, up on the hill, I'm in the ravine and this man shows up up on the hill and he's 
very much obsessed with what I'm doing. You know, that energy of like, okay, he's clocked what I'm doing and he's bothered by it. I don't know if he's a concerned citizen that doesn't think I should be out filming during this time <laughs> or if he was a little, you know, out of sorts. But he yells at me through the fence at the top of the ravine. And um, and I can't hear what he says, what he, what, what he said. So I, I just said, hey, man, I'm filming something. And I held up my cell phone, which was on a little tripod. And then he yelled something again. And I said, okay, well, I can't hear him. He can't hear me, but whatever, man, I am just filming something. He shakes his head angrily and kind of moves on. But I don't know if he's going to move on to a spot in the fence where he can get down into the ravine and confront me. So I go the other way. I'm, gonna, I'm like, all right, well, I got something to film down here. I'm going to get out of his eye line and go further down the ravine. I keep filming for maybe 30 more minutes. I finish. I start walking home. To go home, I have to go through the park. And halfway through the park, I look up and there's the man and he's standing by some tennis courts and he's already doing that motion like you're trying to act like you weren't noticing the person and walk away. I know mm -hmm. he saw me first and was pretending to walk away from me. And I knew if I went in his direction, he would kind of track me out of his peripheral, which is exactly what happened. I go to the other side of the tennis courts from him, but he's looking at me through the chain link tennis court, keeping perfect pace with me. And I'm thinking, does he think I'm a threat? Is he mad that I seemingly, maybe I'm kind of having a goof during this time? Does it look disrespectful to the situation? Is he just kind of Fisher King in it where he thinks I'm an actual monster? If you remember Fisher King, <laughs> yeah. you know, Robin Williams thought like a taxi cab was a red knight that had killed his wife or whatever. I don't know what's going through this guy's mind. You can tell he's kind of a lone wolf, you know, a little, little tweaky, um, not very dirty in appearance. So I didn't assume that he was a, a homeless person, um, but he had a clear edge to him. He was lit up about something or tweaking about something. We get to the end of the tennis courts. This dude takes a hard left and just beelines, quickens his pace directly toward me. And he's coming in hot. Mm -hmm. So I realized, okay, this isn't in my head. There's a confrontation. It's about to occur. I start to try to find a pack of people to get close to and try to explain, hey, there's this dude over my shoulder that I think is following me. I'm just trying to get close to some other people. But I look like an absolute maniac. <laughs> so as I try to get close to this group of tennis players that are headed to the other courts. Oh my God, those poor tennis players. Those poor tennis players. And I've covered myself in mud. I mean, I had burned my bathrobe before shooting this. So it's singed and has holes in it. I am approaching this group of tennis players and they're quickening their pace to get away from me. And I say, hey, hey, excuse me guys. Hey, 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 I'm not trying to get close. I'm just, hey, hey, there's this guy that's following me and I just wanted to get near some other people. Hey, hey, but they're not buying it. They're walking faster. The dude, meanwhile, I peek, he has gone out to the street, and this is a little difficult to explain. He's going up a hill that lines the park, but I know that once he gets to the top of the hill, if he just drops down, he's like on top of me from where I am, you know, in the, in the valley oh, of this I, park. Yeah. He's going up, and I'm like, hey, tennis players, hey, tennis players, and I know that all he's got to do is go, yep, and then he's right there. Yeah. Sure enough, he is booking it up that hill, top speed. Like no one, he's running so fast, people are noticing, why is this guy running so fast? He gets to the top of the hill, without hesitation, drops down, starts running right toward me. The tennis players, definitely, have, <laughs> have, have ditched me. 
this guy running, running, running down the hill. As he's coming down the hill, I'm looking at his body. I'm trying to see, does he have a weapon? Does he have something on him? I don't think I can run away from him. I'm covered in shit that's heavy. I'm carrying a phone on a tripod. So I don't stand my ground, but I kind of stay in that general area where I'm just backing up a little bit. As he gets to the base of the hill, he starts to put his hand in his pocket and digging around for something. I'm like, okay, he's got something and this is happening. Whatever it is, is happening. He pulls out a knife and drops it because he's slowing himself down as he gets to the base of the hill and he fumbles with the knife as he pulls it from his pocket, as he's slowing himself down, it falls into the grass. And it's like, we both look down at the knife. There's enough time for me to be like, knife? For him to be like, oh, he saw my knife. Like a full, full moment of realization. The dude covers it with his hand, like full palms, the knife in the grass. I'm like, dude, it's, I saw the knife. It's too late. Yeah. He brings it up behind his back and then keeps walking toward me. And I immediately started apologizing. I said, hey, man, I, I don't know what I did, but I think I upset you. And I wanted to say I'm sorry. Because in my mind, I was like, I don't think I'm going to run away from this guy. Yeah. Uh, let me try to defuse this. He doesn't stop walking. I keep backing up. He said, what's that? And I said, I think I upset you. And I just wanted to say I'm sorry. And he said, oh, you think I'm upset? And I said, yeah, I think I maybe have made you angry. And I wanted to apologize. I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, I, oh you think I'm angry? I'm angry. And as he's saying this, he's taking steps closer to me. And it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, well, one more step. He's close enough to stab me. He's close enough to swipe or overtake me. So as I'm apologizing, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I think I made, and I'm just sorry. What? And I just start running top speed in my gear, holding my gas mask and Mickey Mouse hat through the park, like full horror movie sprint. I'm thinking, I don't have time to check to see if he's still after me. It's that, if I slow down that much, he's on me. I pass a woman who's reading a book, sitting like crisscross applesauce, reading a book calmly. And as I pass her, I yell out, sorry, there's the crazy guy in the park. <laughs> I should I, laugh. I know. But you're covered in mud and you've I know. Covered, covered. a burnt bathing suit. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. And I think, well, oh, I'm the crazy guy in her eyes, <laughs> you know? The crazy guy in the park. <laughs> so I keep running. I think, well, if I get to the main road, oh I'm God. out in the street, there's cars. He's bound to relent, right? He's bound to give up. I keep running and I go all the way across the street because there's not much traffic, booking it across the street. I mean, for all I know, there were cars slowing down, you know, honking. I don't know. I get across the street to the base of these steps that lead up to my street and I look behind me and he has stopped at the edge of the street and is turning back to go inside the park. So I lost him or he gave up. And uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, oh, the, the, the real end is that I kept running and ran all the way up to my house, burst in the back door, yelling at the top of my lungs to my wife, lock the doors, lock the doors, close the windows, lock the doors. She's like, what? What? And I said, I've been chased. I've been chased. And I fall down on the laundry room floor. She locks everything. She comes up to me and she said, you know, before you went and did this, I told you, you're going to get shot. 
exactly, <laughs> exactly what she said before I went out to do this. She said, you're going to make someone upset. You're going to, you're looking weird and it's weird times. It's gonna, you know, trigger something uh, in people. And she wasn't wrong. She was not wrong. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. I feel like once a, at once every like half a year, you have a story like this. I, I got back. While I was, I laid on the laundry room floor for like 10 minutes because I duct taped myself into this costume <laughs> and Jeez. I laid there and I was thinking, I was like, did all of that really just happen? Because yes, it seems like there's a story like this every once every year or so for me. Yeah. Of just absolute insanity. Uh, uh, but it did. And I mean, even how the knife fell, it was like a movie. It was like insert shot knife on grass. Both men realize what's at stake. You know, it's just like. It was so weird, so weird. But Man. was it like of the forest or like, was this like someone who like clearly had a house and then he just happened to be there? No, like, I think I think he was, you know, a drifter dude. I think he was in the park for whatever weird reason, whether it was buying drugs or selling drugs. He was yeah. out of it. When I finally saw him close, like, you know, he had those eyes of kind of like, uh, when I tried to reason with him, I was like, well, I don't know that reasoning is going to work. He seemed not quite there uh, right. to be sensitive about, about it. I think he just wasn't quite there, but to be honest, he, maybe he thought I was a threat. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe he yeah. really ran down that hill because I went up to those tennis players. Maybe he thought tripod was a weapon of some kind. It was duct taped to my phone. You know, I don't know. Maybe I did instigate the whole thing by looking like a menace i mean I'll, I'll put i'll send you a picture that's crazy it's that's yeah I'll, yeah i'll send you guys pictures so and jess you can put them on the page of what i looked like i Absolutely. did look batshit but i don't know he clocked me early and didn't like it and the weird thing is a lot of other people clocked what i was doing but were fine with it they got it like they saw the phone they're like oh it's funny he's filming something you know some post-apocalyptic thing because he's a restless filmmaker whatever uh but he didn't, you know, and he didn't take to it. And for, for whatever reason, he locked in. Mystic Dylan, do you have anything <laughs> in your arsenal that you can offer Bowser that could potentially save him from himself? <laughs> I'm going to do an uncrossing cleansing on you. Yeah, I'd love it. <laughs> I mean, there was some, it was a weird, like, manifestation Or, like, of, Bubble Boy. Like, yeah, you. totally. Sure. It was weird for a fear to kind of come to fruition like that since I had received the warning from my wife prior to going out. But also, I don't know. There was a weird, I, in my mind, I thought of One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest where in the book, the men talk about the bull goose loony, which is like, and you know, again, we don't talk about mental health the way Ken Kesey wrote about mental health back then. So apologize if these terms are reductive, but he, they, in the book, they talk about who's the bull goose loony. Basically, who's the biggest crazy? And when McMurphy shows up, he's got to assert himself as the biggest crazy so that he's the one that's kind of the leader of the crew there. And I got I, that was going through my mind at the time. I was like, is he feeling like I'm trying to be the bull goose loony of this park <laughs> or of his world? And was he like, I don't know, fighting against that? Or becoming Maybe. aggressive because of well, that. Well, hopefully, ending, I'm happy that your ending was not like that book. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was not. Yes. Or and that I got, you got stabbed. And, yeah. yeah, and I got the okay. short shot, and you know. Oh, I guess yes. one. Yeah, I guess one would be stabbed through the nose and scramble in your brains, and the other one, right? Because he got a he got a yes. what do you call it a 
lobotomy. 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 That's right. Yeah. The movie yeah, ended but... with him getting a lot lobotomy. And uh, and of course, Jess, you know me. I went back the next day to finish filming. Uh, yeah, I, was he there? I still no. I still had you know half the shots to do the following day, and I did. And there were no issues the next day. I, my favorite part was you dressed up like that, run, jumping over a woman reading a book, saying the man in the park is crazy. It's I know, and I mean. <laughs> There was a story of mine from college where I was trying to rush back to a theater because I left this theater to go use the bathroom at the Port Authority. And I was trying to rush back to the theater and I kept hitting all of these locked doors as I was trying to leave the Port oh, Authority. Right. And I ran into this locked door and everybody saw me in the Port Authority and I turned to them and just yelled, my sister, and kept running. Don't know why I felt like they needed an explanation. They they didn't even get the right explanation, which was that I was going back to a theater to finish watching a show. But yeah, I still felt the need to give this woman an explanation, even though it wouldn't help anything. It wouldn't help anything. Oh my gosh. All right, well, you know what, Bowser? That was an awesome story, but this podcast isn't only about you. It's about- I know, <laughs> It's I about know. Mystic Dylan. It is. So Dylan, I- um, you know, we're going to start, I mean, for people that used to be, or I guess maybe potentially still are, although they should have transitioned over to the Untold Hour, for people that used to be fans of Bizarre Estates, they might know you from there. We've had you on a couple times. We've had you at events. Um, you're an amazing witch. Um, Thank you. And then also a very nice person, might I add. Yes. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. And thank you for having me back. Oh, anytime. And you've had a lot of cool stuff kind of develop since I think the last time we've all been able to sit down and talk to each other. So I'd love to hit on that. But for those that are new to you, um, tell us a little bit about how, you know, unfortunately, sorry for the generic question, but how did you get into witchcraft? Where did it all start for you? You know, it's, 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 uh, it, I always want, I'm like, I'm going to script this amazing story where it's like, I stumble across this ancient scroll and <laughs> it just came to me. It's really not. There was a new age shop, um, called the Bodhi tree on Melrose, uh, here in Los Angeles. And I used I to go. I remember Bodhi tree. Uh, honestly, oh. there's yet to be a shop like it ever again. Like it had yeah. couches and and you could like sit and have tea and like shop crystals and tarot and they had so many books. So I used to go there all the time as a kid with my mom. My mom loved aromatherapy. Uh, she, you know, she loved the Native American aspects of spirituality and stuff. And I just remember I was in there so much and the woman who ran the shop, one of the women who ran the shop, she was from Sri Lanka uh, and she taught me how to read poems. And then it was just kind of this, I, I remember seeing this book uh, and it was called um, Seasons of, no, it wasn't called Seasons of the Witch. It was called like Being a Witch. Uh, it was by Laurie Cabot, who's like the official witch of Salem. Um, oh, wow. And at first, like this book on witchcraft, I was like nine. I'm like, ah, and now I was like, wait a minute, witchcraft is real. And it kind of turned into this whole, like I started reading about Wicca and the religion of Wicca and how a neo-paganism and I was always a huge history buff. And I would say that mostly to like my parents, my grandparents, they would all read me these tales of Greek myths and, and mythology. And there was something to it. Like I always knew, I was like, it's so 
these magical stories. And then when you look at the history and it's like, it's not just these stories, like these, these civilizations actually incorporated this into their daily life. So I think it was a bit of that. Um, and it wasn't until like, when I was 13, I started reading tarot and I was initiated in my first covenant at 18. Um, and it was kind of just through this, this idea that witchcraft was real and what it did for you. And it just made sense. I would go to friends who, you know, my cousins are Jewish. I have family that are Christian and, and this dogmatic religion just didn't make sense. And I think there was so much hypocrisy, but then when I looked at witchcraft and I looked at paganism, th there was more, I would say acceptance. So it kind of unfolded like that. Mm -hmm. So what I kind of, cause I've seen you throw bones. I have seen you do tarot. Um, I, I think, not that I stalk you on Instagram, but we follow each other people. <laughs> I, I and so I see, I, I see your <laughs> posts. And so I know that sometimes you also reference like when you were really into Wicca. Um, but I also see that you have a really, really deep love for kind of the religion and the um, mythology and the workings behind the Egyptian mm -hmm. um, mythology and the way of doing things. So how what made what drew you to egyptian specifically i guess i guess the question i would i guess the question i'm trying to ask ask is like what type of witchcraft do you consider yourself specialized in and then based off that why is it that egyptian and wiccan and all these different things what about them attracted you to learn about them that's that's a good question i would say so like it, it's really honestly i can't like i always ask my parents too because i was like when when did i like love egypt and, and it's very hard to pinpoint it was definitely early on around like six or seven um and actually i think it was passover which today is passover yeah but i think <laughs> i was at my be. cousin and they were watching the ten commandments and everyone was like ah oh, boo pharaoh the <laughs> jews and i remember watching um yule brenner and being like shit they live in these amazing palaces and they have this great architecture and I think I want to be Pharaoh. Um, <laughs> so I think it was the architecture and the art. And then like, I also, you know, in mythology, I love ancient Egyptian mythology and it was these stories and a weird, uh, one of the weirdest stories that, that, to talk about deities or gods, you know? And, and I, have a, I have a connection with deities and spirits in a very different way. But I remember as a kid, like I, I lived primarily with my grandparents and I would kind of be shipped around back and forth. I lived with my mom and my dad. So I remember as a kid, I always had this dream of this woman with wings and she would kind of embrace me. So whenever I was lonely or scared, I would kind of go into this happy place of this woman embracing me and she had these huge wings. So that was kind of this, this archetype or image that would come in my dreams for a long time. Flash forward being 10, I was in New York for the first time with my dad and um, I wanted to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art because they had such a huge Egyptian exhibit. And I'll never forget walking in and seeing this huge plaque of this woman with wings that I'd never seen before. And, and it's the goddess Isis. She's the Egyptian mm. goddess of magic. And I remember making this like mental connection and clocking it and being like, oh shit, like she was in my dreams. 
So I think that kind of solidified my love of Egypt. Um, I also, I love cosmology uh, in terms of not makeup, but in terms of the stars um, and, and uh, herbalism and, and everything kind of goes back to this, this pretty profound and, and ancient civilization. So I think it, it really is my respect for them. And they, one of the things that I do in my workings that the Egyptians did as well, they fused uh, medicine and magic. So to them, it was one and the same. So a lot of the things that, that, that we can, there's a lot that we can attribute to the Egyptians. Um, so I think it was that. And when I went to Egypt, I went to Egypt two years ago on scholarship, on a scholarship. Um, and it was, I felt like I had been there before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's weird too, because it's such an archaic language. And I know a little bit of Kemetic, uh, which is the ancient Egyptian language closest to Coptic. And it's one of those things that for someone who I, I always have a hard time studying and math is not my strong suit, but I can look at these hieroglyphics and they just like connect with me. Hmm. That's really awesome. So how do you do, so I guess then, um, how did you get involved in, cause I've seen you throw bones. How did you get involved in the hoodoo slash voodoo of it all? My fa so my father is an actor and he filmed uh, a movie in New Orleans. Uh, and when I was there, I went on a uh, voodoo tour with Bloody Mary and she's uh, one of the voodoo queens in New Orleans. Uh, and I remember her being like, I was like, it was, you had to be like 21 and over or something. And I was like 17. And she was like, you have to like sign a slip and here I am trying to call my dad mm -hmm. and whatever. And like, she saw my passion, but she also saw me struggling trying to call someone. And I think she was super annoyed and she was like, just, just, just come on. So I went on this tour. <laughs> I went on this tour and then it was even more embarrassing because I took my dad's card uh, and then that got declined because I didn't know the pin number. So I didn't even really fully pay for the tour. Oh, so no. there's a whole complicated thing that happened. But through this, I kind of built a friendship with her and, uh, my dad had to do post-production there again. So I came back and I just booked a seminar with her and I did this seminar with Bloody Mary and, and I learned about voodoo and, and the misconceptions that voodoo has. And I think one of my connections with voodoo, New Orleans voodoo uh, specifically, cause that is not a religion, not like the Haitian voodoo. It's, it's, um, I, I kind of feel like I'm the advocate for like witchcraft and the occult because there are so many misconceptions of it and and i do think that you know i have a bubbly personality so when people find out that i do witchcraft they're like oh then you're really dark and evil i'm like no and and so i i i also have a connection to ancestral worship uh my ancestors were irish and native american um so i think it just kind of uh fuses together mm -hmm. and so really it was once i went to new orleans i was like there's there's magic here there's a presence here uh and the idea of bones you know animism the idea that everything kind of has a soul or an essence um i i really i resonate with the bones because i feel an energy there and when i'm using that bones when i'm using the bones it, it's kind of like the native american aspect of, of using the tools using everything and not letting anything go to waste is there a term for or a witch that that not I won't say dabbles, but that understands so many different types of witchcraft? Or is yeah, that common? Eclectic witch. It's, oh, okay. it's really not common in the I mean, it is. What I will say though, and I have found 
when I kind of went through this, so like when I was initiated into a coven, my first coven, it's, it's Wicca as like the umbrella term, but they were primarily Celtic. So they dealt with Celtic deities. And I will say that was a, um, a, a challenge for me because one, Gaelic is so hard to pronounce. <laughs> so like, you know, Halloween is Samhain, but it's pronounced Samhain. So, and, and I wasn't familiar with those deities. So typically covens have specific religious and, and um, cultural sections. Um, I'm, I'm a self-practitioner um, and, and I do with the eclectic, but what happens is that a lot of people say, well, that's cultural appropriation. And that's something that's happening a lot in, in witchcraft is that there is this sense of cultural appropriation and, and you kind of have to balance it out because I never want to appropriate a culture, but what I, what I've come to terms with and what I have, I always check with mentors too, before I take on a following is that if you learn about that culture and you respect and you know the history that went on with that, there definitely is a sense of understanding and mutual respect. It's not like you're going through a spell book and you're going to say, oh, well, I'm going to use these deities or use this because this is my quick fix. You know, I, I built a relationship with these um, deities and spirits. And to be the history nerd, um, I kind of, uh, the way that I look at it is that you have the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire took over Egypt, Greece, and Europe. So I had all that locked down. And then you look at that, and then I look at the Irish that were brought to New Orleans. So historically, if people were going to be like, oh, well, there's an issue here, you kind of have those locked together because there is a synchronization, uh, synchronization to all those cultures to begin with. Got it. Got it. How do you determine if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need such and such a thing done, or I'm looking to do this thing, or even just learn more about this particular, whatever the case may be. How do you, or even for your own stuff, how do you determine, since you know all these different practices and mm -hmm. what the reasons are behind why they even exist in the first place, how do you determine what is best to use for whatever it is that you're bumping up against? That's a good question. I look at the reference and what we have record of, uh, and, and not saying that you have to do this, but this is just me. I'm a history nerd, so I look historically, okay? So I will say, everyone always thinks like voodoo, oh, curses and hexes. No, the Romans, there are curse tablets everywhere, okay? Mm -hmm. We literally have a famous one at the Getty, and it is her husband did not come back on time, and that bitch wrote his name down on an iron tablet, put a Jeez. nail through it. And well, was it, <laughs> why did he not come back on time? Was yeah, it Jess he wants to like, know. Like, hold up. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> Jess know? wants to know how easy it is to recreate the tablet. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Iron, huh? Huh? I do have a smell. Yeah. I do know how to smelt. <laughs> I, I do you. it with that clay. So you get polymore clay, you get mm -hmm. polymore clay, you carve your intent, you bake it and then you break that shit up. So it's interesting you bring up these iron tab curse tablets because I think our very first episode of this new Untold Hour podcast, we talked in the news segment about a well that had been discovered that had a bunch of cursed tablets at the bottom of it. 
because the Romans at the time, I'm not going to get my dates right, but the Romans at the time were trying to bury it with the dead so that the dead could take it down to Haiti and uh, drop it off to whoever was interested, I guess, in working it out for them. And, and they were told, you can't do that anymore. So instead, they started finding wells that they could drop it in since it was closest to being towards the, the abyss. Yeah, the abyss. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's so funny because um, actually one of my one of my uh, grimoires or ancient books, um, one of the things that you're supposed to do, you're supposed to write this tablet and then actually go to someone's grave, the grave of a criminal or someone beyond who's not afraid to do your dirty work. And you're mm -hmm. supposed to bury the tablet in their grave. And mm -hmm. the idea is that down in Hades, you know, Joe Schmo. He gets it and he's like, ah, oh, I got work to do. And yeah. he's going to send his specter and assassinate or like take care of your dirty work. Is it weird <laughs> that I kind of love the idea of demons just like sitting around until something like drops on them like a like a mail order and they're like, oh, fuck, I gotta right. go to work. <laughs> John, like I gotta go to work. Juice. This, 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 it's like real <laughs> juice. Yeah. Yeah, that there's Don't like an Don't see it there's yeah. an administrative side to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. God. Yeah, it's blue collar, blue collar demons. <laughs> yeah, and I think that you know another thing too. There's another um, also voodoo dolls. Everyone's like, oh, voodoo dolls. You know, New Orleans. The original voodoo dolls of New Orleans were actually for healing. Look at uh, and and I can go. I can send you the image. The ancient Roman voodoo dolls. They went extreme. They would make clay. They have this person bound in in different contortion like a contortionist and then they would stick pins in them and it's not just one or two it's like 25 yeah. pins encased um so it's, it's it's really interesting so yeah i i kind of look at that so say that you want like love magic you know the greeks were more romantic they had an essence of love magic so i work with that um even in voodoo they do a lot of love magic there too um, and then anything to do with um, demons or deities or things like that, uh, curses, the Romans kind of took that from the Egyptians. So I look at both ancient Egyptian and Roman. Um, and the whole idea of the spell and vocalizing the spell, that's Egypt because they believed that words had power. And actually one of the, the worst ways that you could curse someone is actually destroying their name and any any existence because that destroys and freezes their afterlife hmm. good to know i was watching a show the other day <laughs> okay oh, giving jess ideas um, idea. i was watching like a show the other day about cursed films and they were talking about the exorcist and it was an interesting docuseries but my question for you is what if someone came to you with the uh, a very a seemingly kind of Christian affliction. Basically, what if someone came to you and said, I think I'm possessed by a demon? And they were very, because in this docuseries, they dealt with these Christians that felt like they were being possessed by demons. And it was very, by that book, it was, there's God and the devil. Have you ever dealt with something like that? Or how would you deal with something? I like have, that? I actually had, um, I had a, one of my, when I went into this professionally, um, I remember I, I, I was still, I mean, I'm part of a coven that I formed myself, but I was part of my original coven. And I remember this, this client coming to me and she was, 
I mean, she was convinced. She was getting cold shakes. She couldn't sleep. She 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 had it all, you know. And then and then of course the other thing too is that I clean my house all the time, and there are fruit flies everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And it's it's my I take it as is because it's not just in Christianity and Catholicism. There are others. Yeah. There are other references of uh, possession. Um, but I also I do my working, and then if that does not work for them then they need to go elsewhere, do something. So like, I will treat something, I will do the cleansings, I will do the guided meditations, I will do what is necessary. And there are times where, especially like in voodoo, voodoo takes a lot of Catholicism. So I will do the um, the idea of an exorcism through the Catholic voodoo way. Um, because at the end of the day, so even if they're saying it's it's Satan or Lucifer, whatever the case may be, there's always a, a pagan reference. And I just think of it as a primordial spirit, this this ancient mm-hmm. ass spirit that never had a human body, you know, and, and it's just this restless thing. So you have to take it as that. Um, but I, I it is interesting that on the flip side of that, I can't tell you how many of my clients are Christian and Catholic knowing that I'm very, very pagan. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it kind of works together. And and I've always, you know, I've never had this, like, I've never been in a situation where it's like, oh no, that doesn't work because I'm Christian or Catholic. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you bring a Christian or Catholic into a witch shop, they're going to say that's the devil. So they're seeing the same thing. So you're saying... Explain it to me real quick. You're saying they don't always know your affiliations or vice versa. You don't always know if the person is Catholic, Catholic or Christian. Right. I don't I don't always know their affiliations yeah. until after. Right. But it's kind of like they they I mean, I have a client that I love dearly, but she is convinced that I work with the devil and <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> like I actually have I actually have she sent me a review once and she's like, "Oh my god, your spell works, your spell work worked so well. You know, I didn't even care that you work with the devil. And in my mind, I'm like, wow. first of all, don't give him credit for my shit. Yeah. <laughs> point. yeah. Solid point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but so it's like, I think they, they, I'm, I just always assume that, that people, you know, because in paganism, you have uh, the horned god. You know, yeah. so like whether it be Black Philip or whatever the case you you make it, um, a lot of a lot of the stereotypical devil comes from ancient pagan imagery. So I just assume off the bat that whatever deity I'm working with, I mean, it could be a female deity, it could be Aphrodite. So, someone's gonna be like, "You're working with the devil," right? Yeah. <laughs> so I know you and I have talked about this before. Um, privately, but what is your stance on curses? Because I know that, you know, in the Instagram, you know, witchcraft is really, witchcraft and spirituality have really taken off recently, which is good in a lot of ways. And I wouldn't even say bad in a lot of ways, but questionable sometimes in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I, I see often, at least in the very beginning, was a lot of this, um, 
uh, avoidance of curses. It'll come back to you threefold and this, that, and the other thing. I myself, when I have dabbled, actually I shouldn't say dabbled because it wasn't a dabbling. It was a straightforward go for it. Uh, have had it kind of blow up in my face in an interesting way. Um, I got what I wanted, but then I also kind of got punished for it. And where do you fall in that as far as how you practice? Because the struggle that I had when I, when that happened to me and why I'm hesitant, even if I feel like it's a necessity to do it again on my own is did I, did it really fall back on me? And, and, or is that my mind just punishing myself because I've, I've preemptively thought that that is something that has to happen because that's what I've been quote unquote taught uh, through media and through hearing other people's comments and just through it being yeah. kind of in the ether. Like what, cause that seems to be a very like, um, what's a, like a, a kind of like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Divide. Yeah. Divide. Yeah. I will tell you from, from someone who was, so first of all, um, and, and, I just, and I know that there are going to be people who disagree, but I'm going to say, hey, the threefold is specifically Wiccan, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that, that is a Wiccan concept. Okay. And I remember, like, I used to know the Wiccan read by heart, um, you know, and, and that is something when you look at that, you also have to think of that, that version of witchcraft comes from the late 1950s. So it's a fairly new idea and i do think that gerald gardner put that in there as a way of saying you know witches aren't bad you know look we have this we have this read we have this law so mm -hmm. if someone else does this they're not a real witch okay yeah. we're the glindas we're not precisely we're yeah. not the elf above or the wicked witch of the last yeah. so when you take that out of the concept you have to look at one Witchcraft is an umbrella term. There are different sects of witchcraft. It's how you practice it. And it's a tool. You can use it to cause harm. You can use it to do great things. Okay. And when I look at that, I personally, if someone's like, will you hex someone? I'm going to say, yeah, but I always make sure. So for you, let's take your, your, um, you, your hex that you did or whatever working you did. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it triggered this, this karmic ass kick, okay? I think that it was your fear that faltered that allowed that karmic ass kick to be handed to you, okay? Now, do I feel that people should be wishing death on someone? Absolutely not. I think you have to use your common sense, you know? I wouldn't go into a store and, and shoot someone down. Um, but I do feel that by hexing someone, what you're doing is preemptively giving them the ass kicking. It's kind of like saying instead, like not waiting for karma, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's doing it first. It, it's showing them. So when I hex and, and I'll get this before people are like, Oh my God, Dylan hexes and does black magic. Uh, one, black magic is racist, so using that word is racist, um, and uh, that's another misconception too. People don't realize that, you know, that when you think of black magic, you think of voodoo. Um, so that's where you kind of get that. Uh, but two, uh, if I'm going to hex someone, I'm showing them or I'm, I'm putting in front of them the ill that they sent towards me. That's all I'm doing, if that makes sense. So I have no problem with hexes or curses 
if it is justified. Now, I will say what I tend to do when I do my workings, that's when I use a deity or a spirit as an intermediary. So instead of me going full throttle and saying, okay, Bob, you're going to get cursed, I would go to someone like, in Greek mythology, there are the Furies. The Furies are these Greek goddesses that, that take on uh, justice and they seek out vengeance. So I would go to them and I would say, okay, I'm going to call these Furies or these deities, and if they feel that Bob needs to get an ass kicking, there we go. So I kind I'll of go for a third yeah. part. Yeah. And okay. if you think about it, that's where those hex, um, the uh, spell, uh, the curse tablets come from because they're going to a deity or a spirit. So the spirits are kind of, it's now out of their hands. Yeah. So they're yeah. essentially, they're making a plea. Hey, this person, I feel this person did me wrong. It's fucking with they're me. Going, they're going to Bob Wapner, basically. Yes. The underworld Bob Wapner, right? That was his name? Yeah. And they're saying, hey, Bob, uh, <laughs> Or what's what's the what's the lady now? Who's the, who's the judge now? My Judge Judy. They're going to the yeah, underworld's Judge, judge Judy. <laughs> the underworld Judge Judy. Or like an you know like in in you would go to the principal. Yeah. Like you would go to the teacher and be like, yeah. Sally's picking on me. Yeah. Here's you my know? story. Here's why I think I've been wronged. If you agree with me, go get him. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how I go about my when I do curses or when I do spell work. Um, the other thing too is that I think that right now, and when I look on Instagram, you brought up a good thing. Like, I think that there's this huge divide between this, this idea of black magic and white magic. Um, and, and honestly, first of all, and I hate to say this, but like witchcraft is not an aesthetic. <laughs> so it's like, and you can have both. You can like crystals and you can also like, uh, stones and bo uh, bones, you know? Um, and I think I'm a, I'm a good example of that because I'm definitely drawn uh, to both. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, I think that people are, are hypocrites in the sense that um, in Wicca, because they do a lot of the defensive, okay? So they do a lot of the protection. They do a lot of this like white bubble cleansing. But I was taught... A real witch doesn't know how to heal if she doesn't know how to hex. You know? Okay. Yeah. And actually, if you look at medicine, okay, so uh, the it's called the caduceus, but you know the, um, the uh, winged staff with the two snakes? Mm -hmm. You know, it's poison and it's the medicine, it, right? uh, medicine. Yeah. You need both. Interesting. I think, what, held by a centaur at one point? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> He was the yeah. one that brought. <laughs> and, and then you know, yeah. it's also people like I, can I forgot it. that he was a yeah. centaur until you. Wow, you just yeah, I hadn't had that thought in a while. Um, so speaking of you know, not knowing you're a real witch until you can learn how to hex and also learn how to heal. At what point did you feel comfortable yourself calling yourself a witch? Not just feeling like you're practicing, not just feeling like you're constantly pushing that boulder uphill. At what point were you like, okay? I, I know I feel like I've got it on lock. Like this Yeah. It was it was 19. I mean like I, I kind of felt it before, but I think at 19 I knew all the the aspects and I delved into all of them. And I I really I think it was that moment where I really felt 
this connection and I felt the things manifesting. Okay. And what I will say too, while there is no threefold, I will also tell you, um, the spirit realm or the other world or whatever you want to like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I'm a big shot witch. And then my spell doesn't work because they're like, no. <laughs> so I do think that at 19, I, I, I definitely was like, I am a witch. Um, and then professionally for a long time, I would hide behind the word tarot card reader. Mm -hmm. And I would say in the last five years, I'm like, I'm a professional witch. You know, this is what I do. This is my livelihood. I, I, I don't have anything to fall back on. Like uh, this is 24 seven what I'm doing. And, and I really feel that it's, it's, I get the, the, I check in with myself and I'm like, you know what, is this my path? Is this what I'm doing? But it's so subconscious now. Like I, I wake up and I do protection, you know, like whether it's a sprinkle of salt or doing something. So I think when it becomes second nature and it's not saying doing these full on rituals, you know, but if you find that you are superstitious, if you find that you're paying attention to nature, if you find that, that when like the true magic of blowing out a candle on your birthday, you're doing witchcraft. So I think the fact that it, it was enough that, that I just kind of took on that title. And, and, and I also think too, it's, it's, to me, there are so many other people who have been um, persecuted because of this. It's kind of like, I have to own that title because I have to show the world that, you know, there are these misconceptions. So I kind of wear witchcraft like armor. Very nice. No, that makes total sense. And I like that you differentiated. Like, I think a lot of people do have a tendency to think it's these big grandiose, I got to be out in the woods naked, calling down the moon and all this yeah. stuff. It's like, no, you could just toss some salt over your shoulder and it'd be just Absolutely. fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I brush my teeth in an even number and like, I'm like, this is the number of protection. Like it's weird things like that. Little you know? connections. Yeah. So, okay. So we are, we're kind of running out of time, but I want to hit uh, speaking about this being your livelihood and it's, this is you 24 seven. Tell me a little bit about now the new podcast. Cause you just recently released a podcast called the witch and the medium. So give me the yeah. rundown on that. It's, it's about sex, uh, sex. It's not about, <laughs> oh, six <laughs> it's about six months old and actually funny story. So the, the, my co-host is Adela. She's a medium. Mm -hmm. uh, she was on Bizarre States. Mm -hmm. Funny story is that I hadn't prior to, um, and we and that episode was two years ago. Yeah, I think so. Maybe even yeah. three. Yeah, maybe even three years ago. So it was like three years ago. I hadn't seen Adela for about five years prior to that. Um, so we met and we kind of got reconnected. And it was this weird, like, fortuitous thing that, that kind of just unrolled. We kept checking in with each other. And then over the past three years, our, our friendship really developed. And we just started this podcast about essentially dispelling these misconceptions. Mm -hmm. It's a witch in the medium. She talks about the spirit world. I talk about witchcraft and how we meet in the middle. Awesome. You know? And even in our day, like, I think it's interesting too, because as you mentioned too, like in the, in the day today, uh, we're so in it, like, even when we don't want to be, you know, like Adela has told me stories of like, she'll be watching TV or she'll be watching like a history program and someone will pop up and be like, no, it wasn't like that. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know, so 
So it's just kind of like in our lives. So that's really our podcast. And, and I love it. And, and I always, I get, she gets so mad because I'm like, we're going to run out of themes. We're going to run out of things to talk about. But then some event will hit us in our day-to-day yeah. life. And we just have a story. You guys just talk about yourselves. I mean, all this stuff is very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you need to, um, to force it. You guys are just naturally great talkers and interesting to, to speak with. So where can people, like how often do you roll the podcast out and where can people find it? Uh, every Thursday, um, you can find it wherever podcasts are available. I believe it's called the witch in the medium. Uh, and then you can follow us on Instagram, the witch in the medium. And I'm at on Instagram at mystic Dylan official. Awesome. Well, thanks Dylan for joining us. Always great touching base with you. Um, Folks, Bowser dipped, so I'm going to do the outro today. As always, you can follow The Untold Hour on our socials as well. Our Twitter is at Untold Hour Pod. Our Instagram is at The Untold Hour. And our Facebook, you can search for it because I shut down the main page and we're only doing the group because that's where everybody hangs out anyway, is The Untold Hour Podcast group. We are doing listener stories. So if you have a listener story that you want us to share on air, send it to the untold hour pod at gmail.com and we will pick some randomly and read them. And I guess that's it. Dylan, thanks again. Thank you. I'm going to try and do, I'm going to try and mimic Bowser's um, NPR outro. Uh, uh, if I even remember what he says, I think he says, um, Oh shoot. Aristotle, send me a note. What does he say? <laughs> uh, he says, uh, I never li- really listen. I tune out the minute he starts talking. <laughs> You're like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's uh, I'm Jessica Chobot, and then I'll and then he'll say I'm Andrew Bowser, <laughs> and, and you're listening to the Untold Hour, and then bye. <laughs> I totally botched it. Awesome. We're keeping it in. <laughs> Star Avenue, a podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network.